Welcome back to Throne Hand. It's me. It's Toby. Toby, what a card. What a fantastic card. I got to watch it on a huge screen at a casino. First time at a casino as well, so that was fun. Do you put any money on stuff? Well, uh, I did put a little bit on my boy Tony Ferguson, and that did not (laughs) play out very well. And then I was like, you know what? I lost money there, but I'm confident. I was very confident in Dustin Poirier going to get the job in the main event and i think we all know how that turned out so <laughs> i lost a good bit of money but i had a good time doing it so <laughs> we had, all right <laughs> i'm sorry for your losses but we'll get into this right now um lots of finishes on this card uh Miranda maverick man um i know she was heavily favored against priscilla cashueta who somehow didn't get cut after she tried to gouge um uh jillian robertson's eyes out a couple years ago but that's beside the point. Uh, great armbar. Um, I, I I think she she's in an interesting spot because she's so young she can still cut to twenty five. But how much longer she can still cut to twenty five is my question. Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting fight. You know, Cashuera, she's definitely a dirty fighter. Like, there's some people who make mistakes in there, and you can excuse it, but she does this every fight. And even in this fight, she tried to do the uh, cheeky one tap where you tap one time and then, you know, if the ref doesn't see it, they're just like, oh, you know, hopefully the other person lets up. It's what happened to Fabricio Verdum and PFL against um, Bruno uh, Ferreira, Capaloza, whatever that guy's name is. Um, But yeah, it was a good performance by Miranda Maverick in this one. She's a beast, man. She's huge. Like she is very muscular um, for this weight class. So (laughs) she is absolutely yoked. So it was impressive. Yeah. I mean, she pretty much just dominated her the whole fight. As you can see in the striking number, she destroyed her, and she got the submission finish. So it was a good, good performance. Did you know that she's getting her PhD at Old Dominion? I did not know that. Yeah, shout Miranda Maverick, a smart woman. Um, it's a nice school. It is a good school. <laughs> Snellsberg got wrecked by Udo's Medich. I've been high on Medich. I think you and I have talked. About, I've been high on Medich for a while. Um, but I like Snellsberger too, man. But. I don't know. It was, it was, it was almost exactly halfway through the third round. But shout out Udo Smedish, man. I like him a lot. Yeah, I was honestly impressed with both of these guys in this fight. I thought they both had great moments uh, in the first round. Simmelsberger dropped him a couple of times. He looked really good. He got caught with the up kick. He was being a little, you know, his corner kept telling him to stand up, and he just wanted to go back into Madagascar guard. And he got caught in the chin, but. That first round, he was stringing together nice combinations, ending with the leg kick. He was landing that overhand right a lot. I think he can get a bit too focused on trying to land that uh, one big overhand right. But I thought he looked good. And Medich was able to just, uh, you know, have better cardio near the end. And his combinations look fantastic. I mean, Medich, this was a great performance by him. And to come back from being hurt badly by, we know Simmelsberger, he's got two 
I think like sub 30 second knockouts in the UFC. He's got big time power and Medich to come back and get a finish in the third round against this guy at elevation too. I thought it was super impressive. No, no, not much more needs to be said after that. Uh, this dude, Darius Flowers, really ground my gears, man. Oh, shout out Jake Matthews, though. But, um, man, that was a clean liver shot. That was as clean as it gets almost. Toes right into the liver. And then he faked a nut shot, man. He pulled a, he pu- pulled a Marty, Marty fake newsman and just Jake Matthews. like. But Jake Matthews got the job done a minute or so later with the – what was it like a rear naked choke that he did he started to tap before it even got locked in cut this dude immediately that's what i say (laughs) yeah um yeah it was interesting i watching that it definitely looked like the toes uh hit the liver and they did like the toes did hit the liver i think his heel also kind of hit his cup but you know i'm not sure where the like the brunt of the impact was probably in the liver but it doesn't really matter because matthews was winning the fight pretty handily I, I thought it was super impressive how you know flowers although he's not the most technical guy he's dangerous i mean he was in there swinging big haymakers and jake matthews was very composed uh, under fire and we've seen this in a lot of his fights i mean fialio is known for pressuring guys getting into crazy firefights and knocking them out and jake matthews again in the fialio fight was fantastic under pressure so clearly he his experience in the octagon is starting to show because he is you know knows how to handle himself in a firefight and knows how to do it in a technical way he's throwing nice uppercuts he's ripping to the body beautifully he did in this fight amazing work to the body i thought it was a really good performance by him uh against a you know dangerous opponent i agree as well hold on let me fix my monitor this is Nuts. But yeah, Flowers, I'm not sure if he's going to be in the UFC too, too long. But... <laughs> no, that was pitiful. <laughs> and then he faked being rocked. But, uh, it, it was weird. Woo! Our boy Roman Kopalov got it done. That was fainted the jab a little bit. Head kick. That was, what, that was one of the gnarliest head kicks I've seen, I think. It was so quick. And it's not something I expected from Kopalov because he tends to use his hands more. But... That was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And Claudio Ribeiro, he's a tough cat, man. Um, but, dude, this was awesome. And and I expect a lot from Kopalov going forward. Yeah, this was a phenomenal performance, I thought. The first round, you could tell he was making some reads, trying to figure out uh, Claudio. Wasn't really fully committing to all the shots, but he was – I mean, he's so fast. For his size at middleweight, he is so, so quick. It's unbelievable. Um, he was poking Claudio with a nice jab. That straight left is a piston that he has. And um, yeah, that head kick, that was one of the loudest head kicks I have ever heard. I mean, that was straight shin to chin. He was done from that moment. He brought that leg up super quick, not much of a telegraph on it. And this was after, at the end of the first round, he got rocked uh, pretty bad. He got caught on the end of one of Claudio's punches, which, you know, yeah, I mean, everybody gets caught every once in a while. I thought it was still a great performance by him, and Claudio's a big power puncher, so there's no shame in that. And he still came back, got the finish with like 30 seconds into the second round. So this is a three-fight finish streak for him now, I think all by KO or TKO. So I think uh, he's got a really bright future ahead of him. I, I think we got to see this guy get some ranked competition. Um, yeah, he, he called soon. for Strickland. I was like, I don't know. I mean, Strickland's ranked pretty high. That would be a very big step up in competition. But I'm down for given Chris what the Curtis. UFC, yeah, I'm down for Chris Curtis, definitely. I mean, given what the UFC has been doing um, 
you know, recently they gave uh, Strickland Magomedov. They were going to uh, give Paulo Costa Ikram Alaskarov. So if they're just giving these unranked guys shots at the top five at middleweight, I mean, why not, I guess. But I think it would make more sense to fight a guy like Chris Curtis for sure. For sure. Did – huh. Is Paul Craig not in the rankings anymore? Uh, in the middleweight rankings? I'm just looking at this right now. Um, what the heck? Maybe he's not yet. I mean, I'm not sure. That'd be maybe weird they didn't update the rankings last week. I, something tells me they didn't. Um, huh? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they did. Aspinall should move up. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, next fight. I did not get a chance to see this fight. Uh, what were your thoughts on Vergara versus uh, Salvador? Uh, it was interesting. I mean, Salvador was taunting a lot. He was just showboating most of the fight. And he has really good head movement. I'll give him that. Um, Vergara, he was ripping to the body occasionally, but I thought he could have done a lot more body work because Salvador was pretty much only using his upper body and slipping off the center line with his head. And uh, Vergara kept chasing him, not really heading him off. He just kept trying to chase him, land big shots, and just wasn't working. I mean, he was able to outland him a little bit just because Salvador was good defensively but really wasn't throwing that many counters back like looking at these stats i am shocked that there was 109 to 89 it seemed like half of that really actually landed in terms of uh, significant strikes in this fight it was you know it was decent but it's just too much taunting and not enough action in my opinion on both sides really cool <laughs> um <laughs> bomb fiend versus trevin giles man uh I don't know why Bonfim wasn't the favorite in this fight. That blows my mind because he it was pretty thorough. Um, they had a little wow. quick. He wasn't the favorite. Yeah, he wasn't the favorite. He was a plus two sixty underdog. With that, what that blew my mind. <laughs> but that's great. <laughs> that guillotine was beautiful, man. I was, I was, I was, I was clapping with that one, man. That was. I don't know, and then you know he he looked. He looked good on the feet too, so I think he's a he's a pretty big welterweight. I think he has a if he could find a way to you know just stay cutting weight the best way he can. I think he'll be a serious problem in this welterweight division because he's big and he's skilled everywhere. Yeah, that was highly impressive. And honestly, if I had uh, looked at those odds more carefully, I definitely would have laid some money on Bonfim because I I. I would have uh, thought that he'd be a pretty significant favorite, honestly, coming into this fight. But yeah, he, you know, he tagged Trevor Giles a couple of times and he just jumped that guillotine real quick, snatched it up. I didn't even think he had a great grip at first, but I think he put him out. I mean, he looked like he was, you know, going into unconsciousness. Um, so yeah, there's really nothing more you can say. It was extremely impressive. And I thought he showed well-rounded skills. Indeed. I'd like to see him fight someone in the top 15 personally. I really would. Yeah, I think he. I think. Yeah, he's I think great. he deserves it. Michelle, let's feed him Michelle Pereira. Oh, speaking of Michelle Pereira, make the weight, make the weight. <laughs> I want to see Wonder Boy fight. Damn it! No, I do too, and I want to see Wonder Boy in a favor, not favorable, but a fun matchup, like against Michelle Pereira, a guy who's not just going to wrestle him. And I get that 
you know, wrestling is part of MMA and you can't always just say like, I don't want to fight wrestlers. Like you have to develop all parts of your game, but wonder boy has done so much for the UFC. He's given so much to this sport. I think he deserves at this point in his career to fight a guy like Michelle Pereira and Pereira just blows it. I mean, he comes in three pounds heavy in the biggest fight of his life on a five fight win streak. You're getting a former two-time title challenger and you miss weight by multiple pounds. It's just absurd. You know, it's ridiculous. I can't believe it, but. Stephen Thompson on the MMAR today, yesterday, if you're listening to this today, it comes out. He was talking about like, oh, people are like, oh, it's only three pounds. Then make the weight. Cut the three pounds. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And he 100%. has no, what's his face? Uh, Stephen Thompson has no obligation to take that fight. And I hope the UFC pays him because he showed up and did his part. Yeah. Um, he showed he should get his pay. Um. So Stephen yeah. Thompson's open to fighting JDM at MSG. I am game for that, man. That's a banger. That's a banger. Oh, yeah. man. It's always weird when people blame the guy who showed up, uh, made his weight. Like, you signed a contract to fight at a certain weight, and the guy showed up at that weight, and then your opponent shows up heavy, and people are like, well, you should have still fought him anyway. No, no, you signed a contract for a reason at a specific weight class. That's why we have weight classes in the UFC. And like I said, he had no obligation to fight Michelle Pereira. And I, I don't care if, you know, I blame Pereira. He's the guy that missed weight. I don't blame Steven Thompson for not fighting. Yeah. And you look at back at uh, Vittori versus um, Costa. Vittori didn't have to take that fight. They moved it up 20 pounds. He didn't have to take that fight. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Shout out Marvin Vittori. He's a dog. He's a BMF for that one, man. Shout out Marvin Vittori. I don't care what anybody says about him. He had, especially as Paulo Costa, a a, a non-weight cut Paulo Costa at that. Super dangerous. So uh, can't wait for uh, Hamzat versus Paulo Costa. uh, Elevation and wrestling defensively minded uh, Kevin Holland might be a new mythical fighter, man. He... Stuff that takedown and Kiesa's weakness, the Darsh choke. Interesting weakness to have, I think, because that's a tough choke to find. But man, Kevin Holland is re- I've, I'm you and I have said this. He's really, really good, and especially at welterweight, I I can see him getting the belt. I I really can't because if he, I mean, Kiesa's one of the better. He's not the best by any means, but one of the better wrestlers in the division. Um. You know what? Th- just thought about this at 170. Outside of Gilbert, there's no good jujitsu guys. Colby Covington can. Yeah. I know he's a he feel a grappler, but Kevin Holland's jujitsu is really going to carry him in this in this division, I think. And people say he has bad ground game. He has bad wrestling. His jujitsu is phenomenal. But and then Kevin Holland said, like, Kiesa should retire. I don't think I necessarily disagree with that due to the fact that Kiesa yeah. is not getting he's not gonna get into the top ten, I don't think. But Kevin Holland, man, he if if his wrestling defense holds up and gets better, he's going to be a, an issue to say the least. Yeah, I think Kevin Holland is a real problem at 170. His height and, and uh, length, this division is ridiculous. His striking is always on point. We know he's a great striker, right? But we, his jujitsu is constantly improving. He's been a black belt for a long time. Even his wrestling and his wrestling defense is uh, improving a lot. And really, he doesn't even need to become some amazing wrestler who gets takedowns of his own. We saw Adesanya has been champion for many years and he never shoots takedowns. He just has great takedown defense. So Kevin Holland could be exactly that type of fighter. 
And yeah, it is weird. Uh, you know, there actually haven't been that many Darsh chokes in the history of the UFC. Like there have been a couple dozen probably. I think three of them have been on Kiesa. It's like a weird amount <laughs> of times that he's been finished with the Darsh choke. But, you know, it's a perfect Kevin choke Holland for Holland. Three of them, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a perfect choke for him with how long his arms are. I mean, it was it was fantastic, man. It was a great performance. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do next. And like we talked about before this fight, you know, the fight with Wonderboy, super tough matchup for anybody. Fantastic striker. The fight with Hamzat, obviously, like, you know, what did we expect in that one? But other than that, I think he's got a good path to get up to like the top eight, top five of this division. I really could see that. And yeah, I, I thought that was very impressive by Kevin Holland. I didn't realize this until like seeing some pictures, how the hell did Michael Chiesa make lightweight? How in the world? He looked, he looked like he dwarfed Poirier. Like what the heck? Yeah. uh, It's crazy, man. Some of these guys that used to make lightweight is insane. You know, Gilbert Burns too. Burns. Yeah. Masvidal. I mean, I don't know how some of these guys used to make lightweight. Yeah. I mean, Colby could pretty easily, but you know, he's a savage natural weight class. Like he said. Yeah. I'm not one, one of the of these few great boys. Shout, shout out, uh, Colby Covington. All right, I agree. I'm gonna have a word on this real quick. It's not Tony time anymore. It's time, Tony. It's time, Tony. Um, hang it up, big dog. Um, I love you. You're not in that way, but like, I love you as a fighter, man. You're you're dope. I love your personality. Great dude. But like, dude, you. He can't keep going like this. He had a knockdown. I mean, that was kind of cool. Well, it wasn't recorded, but he won the first round because of the knockdown. He got poked in the eye. He kept trying to throw up triangles by pulling guard, and it wasn't working. And then he got subbed by Bobby Green. Subbed by Bobby Green. I'm not saying Bobby Green. Bobby Green's not a bum by any means on the ground. He has pretty decent wrestling. But I didn't expect him to choke out Tony Ferguson cold. And Tony, Tony Ferguson let him slip the slip his uh, half guard, it looked like. And then Tony was, you know, wiggling around and nearly killed Dan Mergliata. But, dude, I'm so – oh, I thought he was going to win this fight. I'm so I'm so sad. Yeah, this was extremely depressing. I think this was really the final nail in the coffin for Tony Ferguson. Uh, I texted you this, you know, his win streak was 12, and now his losing streak is at 6. So it's half of what his – amazing win streak was which is really really depressing to think about but yeah you know the reason i put a little money on tony was because every time before he gets into these fights and he always just gives you some confidence like he shows a glimmer <laughs> of his past self and you think like yeah this time's going to be different he's not going to get brutally knocked out or submitted or you know otherwise beat up and then he, it just happens again i mean everything that made him so uh exceptional during his run his durability his cardio his tenacity his you know diversity of strikes he's lost it all i mean he's not throwing creative elbows he's not throwing uh he's not doing like weird takedowns and he doesn't do that anymore his durability is somewhat still there i mean he was taking some big shots from bobby green but it's clearly not what it used to be um his cardio isn't even there anymore you know that's the most disappointing thing I thought if his you watch his fight with okay it did look okay, but I think part of the reason why he got submitted was because uh, his gas tank was running out and Bobby Green was able to just get on top and kind of slice through his guard. And even his submission game, like if you watch his fight with Pettis, he just literally walked forward. And he got tagged with huge shots and just kept walk- walking forward and destroyed Anthony Pettis. 
and Pettis uh, couldn't continue after the second round. You watch his fight with Barboza. I mean, he did the same thing against a very dangerous striker and ended up submitting him in that fight. And this one, he just doesn't have it anymore. It is so sad to say, but Tony does not have it anymore. And there's no path for him forward after this. Like he, he has to hang it up plain and simple. There's nothing else for him. He had one of the greatest runs we've ever seen. And he should have never fought Justin Gaethje. <laughs> he should have never taken that fight. And I think that know. contributed to the downfall of his career too. You never come back from a fight like that and a beat down like that, unless you're Dustin Poirier against Dan Hooker. Um, yeah, yeah. And like get back to like a normal career trajectory. That just it that doesn't happen. It it, it mm-hmm. can't happen really, and it's just sad. It, it 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 it's really sad. And you know, it's 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 time, Tony. It's time. Yeah, I mean, even the first round, that knockdown that he had of Bobby Green, it you know he definitely knocked him down. But I think Bobby Green was a little bit off balance too. And I still even had a hard time giving the first round to Tony because Bobby was tagging him and he landed a lot of significant strikes in that first round. And Tony had probably the most, you know, significant one, at least in the eyes of the judges, but man, Bobby Green was landing some vicious strikes and good counters in that first round, especially after the uh, eye poke. And, you know, Tony said, Oh, the eye poke, but dude, you, 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 you decided to continue to fight. So that's yeah. not an excuse, but I think we need to, if Tony wants to continue fighting, I think we need to turn him into a prospect killer like uh, Jim Miller. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, old, I, I don't even he, think he, he could do that. I don't think he could do that. That's what I was going to say. I mean, he looks so slow in this fight compared to Bobby Green. And Bobby Green is a fast guy. Like he has fast hands, but Tony looked unbelievably slow. He was shooting for takedowns and he was just whiffing. I mean, he wasn't even close on his entries. Some of them, his strikes were way off. His counters were way off. I mean, he just doesn't have the timing. He doesn't have the speed anymore. And it's very sad. Yeah. We love Um, you, Tony. I I had another thing. We're saying this because we care, Tony. Uh, I had another thing to say about Tony Ferguson. Like, no, I I, I got a little hyped when he did his, you know, um, knee thing when he like slides across the 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 back with his back i'm like oh oh my gosh it was smooth like here we go come on it's like it's like he's young again but man dude tony hang it up i'm not we're not gonna talk about this anymore Uh, oh and uh feed patty pimplet uh bobby green Uh, let's make that happen right now let's do it let's do it (laughs) because i think patty pimplet would get what's coming yeah the Black Beast has returned. Six-pack Derek Lewis, mind you, is a new mythical fighter. Um, he, he, he's, I think he saw Masvidal in the crowd and went, let's do it. <laughs> what, do you, <laughs> what do you have to make of this performance? There wasn't much. There was only 30 seconds of fight time, but, man, he looked good. I mean, this was one of the most spectacular knockouts I've ever seen. Just you know, because it's Derek Lewis, because of what he did after the knockout, and because he's 265 pounds, he cuts down to 265 pounds, and he landed a flying knee and tagged a guy at heavyweight. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I was watching him, literally, my jaw dropped. I was just standing there like, what just happened? But it was clean. I mean, you know, they were kind of just going across the octagon, and then out of nowhere, he lands this huge flying knee, and just ground and pounds him uh, to the finish. And I, I know like DeLima was kind of protesting. I saw some people saying like, well, he was, you know, trying to defend himself. I mean, was he? He took like 20 unanswered shots and he was kind of just covering up. So I think it was a 
perfectly justified stoppage. But yeah, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. I don't, I wouldn't say I don't know if he's back because, you know, this was a a very quick finish, and we I'm sure he still has issues with cardio probably. And you know, if he fought like a, a top ten guy, I'm not sure how it would go. But I'm still very happy for Derek Lewis. I don't I don't want to take it away anything from him. You know. Yeah, it's no. Derek Lewis, man. We we love Derek Lewis. <laughs> also, legendary another legendary post fight interview. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. What do you think his wife thinks about uh, when he talks about going home to uh, love her? Uh, maybe she's that type of person. Maybe she really loves that. You know, Maybe she just loves that type of affection on national television on a pay-per-view <laughs> card. Who knows? But yeah, Derek Lewis, always entertaining, uh, you know, taking his pants off in the octagon, swinging them around over his head. Bruce Buffer was dying laughing. It was a great moment, man. Can't take oh, anything yeah. away from this guy. He threw his cup into the stands and then he threw his gloves yeah. into the stands. Derek Lewis is a wonderful, wonderful man. He's a wonderful man. If you haven't seen his Instagram, guys, go check it out. <laughs> if you like wild things on the internet, that's the place to go. Um, I don't know what to think. Hold on. Who should Derek Lewis fight next? Um uh tabora yeah i mean i would say either tabora or maybe even tai tuivasa but who's tai fighting next doesn't he have a fight line fighting volkov oh yeah yeah i mean you could do you could do tybora probably they might give him another guy ranked below him though i'm not sure yes he's fought a lot of guys though yeah, have lewis in a rosenstrike fought i don't think so Oh, there we go. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be a great matchup. A couple of big power punchers. A couple of big dudes. Um, a couple of relatively big dudes. Jan Blachowicz and uh, Alex Pereira. This was a coin flip fight, man. Uh, Blachowicz clearly won the first round. Pereira clearly won the second. And depending on how much you favor that takedown, either Blachowicz or Pereira won the third round. I thought Blachowicz won, but then again, it could have gone either way, and I'm not going to complain about the result. Yeah, it was a very close fight. I know Blahovich had, I think, like five, five and a half minutes of control time, but he really didn't do much of anything at all um, when he was on top. He really didn't land that many strikes from top position. And even when he had Pereira's back, he wasn't really doing a whole lot. I think Pereira did a little bit more on the feet. It's not like either guy was extremely active or anything. The one thing that shocked me about this fight was Blahovich gassed hard after the first round. I mean, he gassed really hard, yeah, which did. was shocking to see. But he was like keeled over, huffing and puffing in there. So, I mean, respect to him because he still kept fighting. He was winging big shots against a very dangerous counterpuncher. He was going left hook for left hook with Pereira, which is insane. He was fully gassed out, still doing that. And he was able to land takedowns. So I thought it, you know, it wasn't a bad fight. It wasn't a bad performance by either guy. I thought Pereira, you know, yeah, he got controlled for a while. So he's definitely going to have to work on his stand-up game, but he's still very new to MMA, new to wrestling. I thought you know, he nullified a lot of what Jan was trying to do from top position. So there's that. At least he does have some uh, defensive skills on the ground. He could definitely work his stand-ups better. But, yeah, I mean, he's still uh, a very impressive striker, obviously. I mean, his leg kicks are always a thing of beauty to watch. The way he just snaps him without basically any tell, like no upper body movement. I mean, he just, like, throws his ankle at the other guy's ankle. Yeah, and it's I've never really seen impressive. a guy leg kick like Pereira does. 
I don't know how he does it. I mean, truly, I really don't know how he does that. I, I've never seen anybody do that. But he tries to like yeah, hit I your mean, shin I thought it could... with the ball of his ankle. I, I've never. It's weird. It's very weird, but it's effective. It's effective. He was tagging Adesanya with it, and he also brings that high kick up really nicely with no tell, and of course the left hooks. I mean, I thought this fight could have gone either way, but I'm not mad that Pereira won. And I see that. I think uh, Yuri was uh, talking about coming back to fight him for the title. So hopefully that materializes because that is a very good fight. A very, very good fight. Let's (laughs) talk about the first second. Uh, One thing, actually, what I found interesting was when in the first round, when Blahovich had Pereira up against the fence, he had his back. Why Pereira was staying along the side of the fence because Blahovich was clearly falling off his right side. If if Pereira just scooted over to the left a little bit, Blahovich would have fallen off his back. So it, it, yeah. it's interesting. Um, I'm sure he and Glover will go over that. But Pereira oh, yeah. versus uh, Prohaska, man, this is a that's a fight for the ages. Yeah, I think that is the perfect fight because Pereira is such a counter striker, and he can be aggressive. Like we've seen in his fights with Adesanya, he can certainly push the uh, pace. But in a lot of his fights, he likes to sit back and wait for you to make a mistake, come to him so he can counter you. And we know Prohashka is going to do that. I mean, it doesn't matter who that guy is fighting. He's going to come forward and he's going to throw big shots and oftentimes pretty reckless shots too. So that is just a perfect setup for a barn burner. Yeah. I, I you know, I know Blahovich probably has more jujitsu than uh, Yuri Prohashka, but Yuri Prohashka is just so much more explosive than Blahovich. I, I, if it goes to the ground, I think Yuri Prohashka could really do some things to Pereira because I mean, I know it was the fifth round. There's 30 seconds left in the fight, but Prohaska sub Glover to share it, guys. <laughs> if you don't think he has ground game, you're an idiot. I, I, I'm not a judgmental person by any means. Toby can back me up on that. However, if you don't think he has ground game, he reversed positions too. It was it, it was beautiful. Uh, like, Yuri Prohaska is legit. He can fight legitimately on the ground. And I think if Pereira... Gets there, Prohaska might have his way due to the fact that he's much more explosive than Jan Blahovich, and he's just quicker and more athletic. And I understand Blahovich in, in a straight jiu-jitsu match probably beats Yuri Prohaska, but I don't, I don't see. And then also, y- you can't out dumb Yuri Prohaska in a sense. You're not. He's just going to keep pressing forward, and you can't do anything about it. You, you, you just can't. And I don't think any. Anyone has ever pressured Alex Pereira like that in a fight. So it's going to be, I think that will probably be Pereira's toughest challenge because, you know, he and Izzy just had a kickboxing match essentially, but your Prohaska also, he, he, he's like Bobby Green, keeps his hands at his hips. So yeah, Yuri's so unorthodox. Do you watch MMA on point, Toby? Yeah, here and there. Yeah. <laughs> they made uh, a top 10 fighting styles that shouldn't work, and Yuri Pahaska was number one. It shouldn't work. It, it really should. No, it definitely shouldn't. <laughs> but he has like a yeah, 98% I'm... finish rate. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. What's his record? Like 28 and three or something? 28 and three. Let me look it up real quick. It, it's crazy, man. But no, I, I completely agree with everything you were saying. Um, you know, if people go back and watch that fight with Shara, it wasn't just that final exchange that he was doing well in. I mean, all the grappling exchanges, he was very competent at the least. I mean, he was actually winning a lot of the grappling exchanges, I would say, versus Glover. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a very tough challenge for Pereira. And there's always a chance that Pereira could just spark him and put him out cold because Yuri has been, I mean, you know, he's been knocked out before. Um, Pereira is 
a huge puncher. So there's always that chance, but Prohashka is very durable. Like for, um, you know, for how many times he's been knocked down and how often he gets hurt in fight, he is surprisingly durable. Like you will knock him down and 10 seconds later, he might knock you down or he might knock you out cold, you know, or he might take you down. So it's, it's such a fun matchup, man. Ask Dominic. So many variables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I so mean, I'm looking oh at my God. Like, yeah, people forget about that fight. Dom Reyes had him one second from being dead finished, to literally rest. one second from being finished. And within like 30 seconds, maybe not even that Prohashka was back up and he was tagging him. <laughs> All right. I'm looking at uh, Yuri's record. So he has one TKO um, in his like fourth, fifth fight. Uh, then he lost by rear naked choke. And then he lost to Muhammad Lawal on the same night he fought Vajim Nemkov. So, like, Just that's, crazy, what ha- yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. Like, like it, yeah. I mean, was it the same night? Yeah, it was the same night. So, was, yeah. Didn't he? Wasn't that a pretty grueling long fight with Nemkov as well? It was 10 minutes where Yiri made Nemkov retire by uh, exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. And then to go and fight King Mo. I mean, if anybody doesn't know King Mo, he is a very good fighter fighter or was a very good fighter in his prime yeah so that's yuri is something else man yeah he absolutely is um if only he and, could stay healthy and be more active God. yeah i know i, I think I, I don't i don't think the activity was a problem no one wants to fight him i wouldn't want to fight who, that, no. that, yeah I don't that's true him. for sure uh and then the injury but <laughs> all right so Yuri Prohaska, 29 wins 25 by knockout three by submission one decision <laughs> The, the yeah. dude's a finisher. Insane. He's a finisher. Yep. <laughs> um, maybe the best the finisher this... we've ever seen. Yeah, maybe in mixed Truthfully, martial arts. I, awesome. He sub- I can't, can't really think of anybody. Yeah, yeah. Sub- I can't really, that's I all you have to say. That... The dude will find a way. Yeah. But well, speaking of great finishers, though, bro. <laughs> but I don't know what your reaction was when. First off, good first round, entertaining. You knew it was going to be a barn burner. Uh, I thought Poirier won the first round. Um, he, I don't think he landed as many shots as Gaethje, but the ones he landed were a little more significant, I thought. And that's just how Poirier works. He's awesome. But Definitely. Gaethje, bro, I, the, a head kick was the last the, the last thing I expected to see from Justin Gaethje. And it wasn't even a good head kick. He, he was very close. Poirier blocked it. And, I mean, it got through enough to where Poirier went, you know, backwards and – Herb Dean dropped the people's elbow on him, but man, bro, I, my jaw dropped. I didn't even scream. I had, I had a similar reaction as to when, uh, Tony Ferguson got uh, sent to a place. No one's been by Michael Chandler. Um, but yeah, dude, shout out Justin Gaethje, man. Yeah. My reaction to this one was just the, hands over the head i was just looking around at people around me i was i was like did i just witness like are we all collectively imagining this or did this really just happen but <laughs> i i couldn't believe it man. i've never seen poirier get sparked like that like yeah he's been knocked out before he got knocked out by connor he got knocked out by um uh michael johnson but those weren't like this i mean this one he was out he dropped like a brick and yeah herb dean came in there kind of elbowed him in the chest a little bit but i thought he it was slipped a on the he I mean, slipped on the monster logo yeah yeah but he got in there quick so shout out herb dean for that one but man i thought this was such an impressive performance by gaichi i mean arguably this was more impressive to me 
than the Tony Ferguson fight. And that's saying a lot just because, and I will make the case right now, because in the first fight that they had, uh, he was throwing that uh, rear leg kick, which would be his right leg to Poirier's uh, right right uh, front leg, right? And that's not as damaging of a kick. And it can kind of like knock your balance off, but you're not really going to throw people's games off. And every time he would throw that kick, Poirier would step through and counter with the left hand. And that's actually what finished that first fight was Gaethje threw a leg kick. He had his uh, block low and Poirier ended up countering with that left hand, right? And so this time he came out and was blasting him with the lead uh, leg kick. So he was coming around with his left leg and kicking Poirier's lead leg. And Poirier really did not know how to deal with that. You could tell that that was really throwing him off. And then he started throwing that high kick, which he's never thrown. I don't know if I've ever seen Justin Gaethje throw a proper high kick. And maybe you like one against Fazeev. I don't think he's ever thrown any like proper high kicks though, besides that. And the way he set up this finish was beautiful. And I was actually, I was talking to a guy when I was watching this fight and I was like, the way Poirier is blocking with that one arm up, he needs to get both hands up. If he wants to, you know, you can get hurt with a kick uh, through your guard. I mean, we've seen it many times before where guys have one arm up to block it, but it's not enough. It's a shin hitting you in the side of the head. You need more defense than that. And I thought it was a great read by Gage. I don't know if it was just like an instinctive thing or if they really did drill it. You know, Trevor Whitman's a fantastic coach, but I mean, Poirier, the way he uses that guard where um, it's a lot of like uh, rolling with shots. It's a lot of, you know, moving left to right with his guard moving with yeah it's a shell it's a shell guard and one way to break that is to blast a high kick up there and he threw that right cross Poirier went to parry and then he tried to get his hand back and he did he did get his hand back but it wasn't it really wasn't in time I mean he got it back but it was at the last second and that kick just came right through I mean I was so impressed by Justin Gaethje in this fight not only you know, was it another banger, a very fun fight, but his technique in this one, his tactics were unbelievable, man. I yeah. thought it was, this was a whole new level of Justin Gaethje that we've never seen. Yeah, it, it's scary. Um, I, f- I forget. I think I saw this on Twitter, but skill for skill, is Justin Gaethje better than Justin Poirier? Here, here's oh, my man. take on it. It's hard to say. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say because I didn't see enough in that fight you know, if Justin Gaethje beat him in a decision, okay, maybe I can. And Justin Gaethje's clearly improved since that last fight. He's more controlled chaos now rather than just go in there, oh, swing yeah. and bang and hope for the best. But I mean, Gaethje, man, he sets up his shots so, so well. That's what, that's the one thing he's improved on from the beginning of his career. If you go back and watch the Michael Chandler fight, when Gaethje dropped with that uppercut, he like, he, and he, he was keep, he kept Gaethje's left hook mint, but he, you know, he fainted left foot. All he did was like push his shoulder forward, and Chandler ducked down, and then Gaethje just set that thing up. And you know, you don't see that in his early UFC career because he just go in there. He it was Gaethje. I think he relied on his chin a lot. He still has a great chin. He can still rely on it, but like he's just become more concise with what he wants to do. And Poirier has too. I mean. I Poirier won that first round, in my opinion. Gaethje looked a little sloppy in that first round, I thought. But, you know, it's, it's a five-round fight, so I'm not going to put too much impetus on, you know, how one performs in the first round. I I think a trilogy needs to happen, and here's how I think it happens. Gaethje, you know, whoever, he, you know, Oliveira versus Mahachev, I think Mahachev gets it done again. I really do. Gaethje should get the next title shot. I don't care what anybody says. Um, So, hopefully, Gaethje, I think he can beat Mahachev. I really do. Um. The power's there and the 
the wrestling is there too defensively from Gaethje. And then honestly, I think Poirier should just sit out until then. And then when Gaethje gets the belt, make the trilogy. I I think I don't I think I think Dustin Poirier has done enough in the UFC to earn that in a sense by not fighting again, but still get the title shot. I I think Poirier is really that dude, man. And he still has tread on the tires, like he said. You know, it's not like he got beat the hell up for five rounds. He got knocked out. And that's much better than being beat the hell up for five rounds. I still think Poirier could still make it, get a win or two and get the title shot or just wait until Gaethje gets the title, man. But, man, both these dudes are so likable. They're so good, and they're so fun to watch. I hope we get to see the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, going back to what you said, like skill for skill, I, I don't know, honestly, who's better. Um, I think this is one of those cases where Poirier just truly did not expect – no. Uh, what Gaethje came in there with. He he didn't expect that lead leg kick that threw him off. He didn't expect that high kick that threw him off. I mean, and he still looked good. You know, I definitely agree. He won that first round. He rocked Justin Gaethje in that first round. He landed a beautiful straight left hand, was, tagged Gaethje. Oh, that was awesome. You, you, saw, you saw his uh his knees buckled a little bit after that shot, but Gaethje, as a, you know, as always, stayed composed. He took it well and was able to you know get the finish. Um. I would like to see Dustin fight just one more time. Um, it, let's say Gaethje like does get the title. I would like to see Dustin fight once more, just because this did kind of expose a hole in Dustin's game, which is he has such a boxing heavy style and his guard is so based on parrying shots, rolling with shots, using his shoulders, using that shell that if guys keep blasting head kicks like this, you know, it could be some danger for him. So I would love to see him fight just one more time, make some improvements, um, make the adjustments they need to make in terms of, you know, his movement, his guard defensively uh, blocking against those head kicks. I wouldn't be mad if he just set out and got a title shot. I think, like you said, he's put in enough work in the UFC to definitely deserve that. And honestly, he seemed fine. You know, usually when you get knocked out pretty brutally like that, it takes a while to recover, but he seemed surprisingly composed after the fight. He knew what had happened. Uh, you know, he yeah. knew wh- where the mistake was. He seemed calm. He seemed, he wasn't upset. So I think, you know, I think this is a minor setback, but I don't think Poirier's done by any means. I saw some, some no. video. I didn't watch it, but I, you know, some video uh, on YouTube was like, Justin Gaethje just ended Dustin Poirier's career. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? man? like, Dustin Poirier, Unless he decides to hang it up, unless Poirier says, you know what, I just don't want to fight anymore. There, he didn't end anybody's career. Like, yeah, it was one of the best knockouts I've seen for sure. But Poirier could easily be a top five guy for a couple more years. I mean, this guy is he's a one of the best, most well-rounded fighters we've ever seen. And so, I man, this lightweight division is just, it is crazy how stacked lightweight division is. Poirier was mentioning something about, um, you know, he just wants to fight big fights. I do not blame him. He is a pay-per-view draw. I will watch Dustin Poirier every time he's on. I love Dustin Poirier. Um, yeah. Like RDA, like, but I know RDA doesn't really want to drop down to lightweight in, anymore. Um, that's really the only fight I see because he's not going to fight Dariush. As much as I love Dariush, I'm I'm on the Dariush yeah. hype train. By by, I, I don't know if you are, but I love me some Benio Dariush. Left hand go burr, but um. You know, Fazeev's fighting Gamrot. If Fazeev wins, I could see him maybe taking that fight, but I don't think he'll fight Gamrot. Um, as much as I love Gamrot. I, I, Dan Hooker's washed a little bit. If Colby Covington came down to lightweight, maybe I could see that fight happening. But, like, 
I think he's content with waiting, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he just waits for a title shot. And let's be honest, if, if Korean Zombie can get a title shot off of Dan Ige, I think yeah. Dustin Poirier can get a title shot regardless. Like, I, I th- outside of RDA, Poirier's strength of schedule might be the best ever. I, I really do. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's up there. I mean, whatever Poirier wants to do, I think the UFC should oblige him or, you know, at the very least, like, uh, be amenable to what he's saying um yeah uh i think both of these guys still have a pretty high ceiling in the division and, and you know it's crazy because i thought justin gaethje there was a time where i thought gaethje was actually nearing the end of his career because he was talking about it you know saying that he didn't want to get into these fights anymore just, you know, just hanging him up he made such impressive adjustments in his game that he's now the, you know, the number two contender and there's nobody else man like i don't you know i don't care what anybody says gaichi is next in line for the winner of mahashev and Oliveira. like you said i think he could do it man i i really do think he could beat either of those guys i it's a great matchup either way you know you could do the rematch with uh charlie olives and that's a great storyline because the first fight charles missed weight so there's that and you know it was a war that first round was fun but uh, he got finished in that one, or he, you know the Mahashev fight. Uh, it's Habib's cousin, and Habib finished Gaethje as well. So you know, either way, it's a great buildup. I would love to see him Poirier again for sure. Yeah, man, the lightweight division is stacked. And yeah, I mean, I think Poirier versus Covington could be fun. Honestly, Poirier could just move up to welterweight if he wanted to. I'll not like injure anything. I think he's only five nine, but he's a big guy. Like he cuts. He's a, lot a of wide to get to. dude. Yeah, he's a wide man. He cuts. He cuts a lot to get to one fifty five. So-, so that's something would intrigue him i think would be great it would be a big sell i mean that could be a pay-per-view right there pay-per-view headliner he has the weirdest build out of any person i've ever seen i think like with the shirt on he's looks completely very normal man. but he doesn't have like a t-shape like a normal man does it's like a school it's like a rectangle never seen anything like it but it works it's, it's <laughs> weird it is very weird um uh i'm looking at uh jed mishu from mma fighting he, of course, Poirier is heartbroken, but he, I I don't blame him for thinking he is the better fighter because I think he I think he skill for skill is, but Gaethje is is just that good too. I'm not I'm not disengaged by any means, and I, I even think Gaethje might even consider yeah, Poirier's better than me in certain areas, boxing stuff like that, jujitsu. But man, oh yeah, what damn man, awesome, and I hope Stephen Thompson gets paid. Damn it, pay the man, pay the man. Yes, I, I said that before, yeah, but pay I, the man. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we need to see the Poirier Gaethje fight one more time while they're still in their primes, just because both these guys have shown the adjustments that they can make from fight to fight. Like the difference between if anybody's ever seen Poirier's featherweight run, and he had a good run at featherweight, but if you saw that Poirier versus lightweight Poirier, yeah, I mean, it is a world of difference. And then even you know, 2016, 2017 Poirier when he got finished by Michael Johnson versus the you know, the Max Holloway Poirier. I mean, this guy makes incredible adjustments between fights. He's got a great camp down there with Mike Brown, Dia Davis as his boxing coach, and Gaethje with Trevor Whitman. I mean, these guys, I know that for a fact that if they have another fight, they will both make a million different adjustments and it'll be just as good as the last two that they've had. So, I mean, I can't Um, wait. Coming from MMA fighting. Ooh, do you know what fun tier list would be? Best MMA outlets. Yeah, yeah, we could do it. We'll do it. Bloody we'll elbow, number one. <laughs> F tier, bloody elbow. MMA mania. No, seriously, I love bloody elbow. Do you actually yeah. love bloody elbow? Yeah, and they're uh, indie now. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I like him. I, I really like some of the reporting on like the UFC financial situation. Same with one championship. I mean, one championship loses uh, an ord- inordinate amount of money and Bloody Elbow has done some really good reporting. million dollars last year. Yeah. yeah, and Bloody Elbow has been on the forefront of that reporting. So I, I've really enjoyed some of their some of their work. It yeah, was... like their deep stuff is really, really good. But some of this, like, yeah. th- their clickbait is like, oh, what the hell? You don't need to do this. You yeah. have some great reporters on your team. Same with MMA Mania. MMA Mania is wild, but we'll we'll do a tier list one of those. We have to. Um, so we got yeah. the – ooh, this is episode 298, I think. We got to think That's of something sweet. for 200. We'll talk after the show. But um, so we have a, a ref tier list, which we'll do. We have a – and the – outlet tier list we will do if you have any ideas let us know but back to some news prohaska suggests that jamal hill injury stemmed from weight gain who would have thought i mean honestly yeah could have yeah i i i agree with that i'm i'm sadly like prohaska said my reaction was what are you doing man that wasn't bad i gotta give myself credit for that hold on (laughs) it doesn't matter what the reason was but i saw you had big weight he gained weight and especially makes all the, you know, joints, you know, stressful. Just stupid, man. I don't know why they gain weight like that. Yeah, I understand gaining a healthy amount of weight, but if you've seen Jamal Hill out of a fight camp, that dude gets big and he doesn't just put on muscle. He puts on fat. Like he gets a huge belly out of weight or out of fight camp. So, yeah, I'm not sure why he does that, but he definitely needs to be a bit more disciplined, I would say. I really think that he should um what is it? Um oh, I'm trying to think. Honestly, he could if he lost weight, he could go down to middleweight. I I was actually I was just gonna say he could make 85 probably. And you know, speaking of weird builds, I think Jamal Hill has the weirdest build I've ever seen. That dude's pecs, you ever, I mean his pecs are so weird. He has a very <laughs> odd shaped chest. <laughs> I don't know do what is going on with that too, guy. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe I don't know. Be in on that. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Terrence Crawford, uh, beat Errol Spence that I didn't, I need to go back. I need to find the highlights, but from what I saw, that was a beat down. I'm not a big boxing fan. The fu- the best never fight the best. And we never get the fights we want. I'm talking to you, t- uh, Tyson Fury. Um, <laughs> but, isn't he fighting uh, Nganu, I think? Yes, and he's not defending his... Are you seriously afraid of Usyk? Usyk's like 50 pounds lighter than you are. And you're one of the most skilled boxers of all time. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Usyk could win that fight. But, dude. I think oh! he just wants a payday, man. I can't blame him. I, I think he wants a big payday. either, but man... And it's a much fight. easier fight, objectively. Just a much easier... Yeah, just jab, 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 jab. Jab, jab, jab. Yeah. And you'll win the fight. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I was gonna I was gonna mention too, like you know, I know this isn't a boxing show, but everybody go watch Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. That is one of the most masterful performances in the history of boxing. I mean, this guy has been number one pound for pound for a long time at this point. He's been top five, top ten pound for pound for I mean years and years. Like Terrence Crawford is phenomenal. He's on a nine fight finish streak in boxing fighting all uh for titles i mean all these fights he's been in have been for world titles and he is now 
the only uh, male boxer to ever be an undisputed world champion at two different weight classes, because you see like, you know, Pacquiao, Floyd, they had titles at different weight classes, but they weren't the undisputed. They didn't have all the titles. And uh, Bud Crawford now has two weight classes where he is the undisputed champion. No man has ever done that in boxing. I mean, this guy, he's getting into like, this is one of the best boxers we've ever seen, you know, period. End of story. Yeah, he is 40. No, man. I mean, Sean Porter, Errol Spence. Um, he, he's fought some guys, man. Um, he he's he's that good, guys. I, yeah, I I suggest we we do talk some boxing on here, but Amir Khan, he's. I saw. I was watching the highlights of the Errol Spence fight. He landed a punch. I, I kid you not, with this much space, he landed like he threw it. Like I, I don't even know how he landed it, but it was the- one of the most unbelievable things i've ever seen that's the thing with boxing right like you know mma guys can go in the boxing ring in theory they can win like they know how to box but these boxers they're so good at one specific thing like that's why you see you know videos of boxers like going up against some mma guys the mma guy can't touch him like they literally can't touch him but you know uh one of you boxers better come over to mma to make it fair i guess <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah shout terrence crawford man he, he's good bro he's 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 really good speaking of boxing uh tommy fury's fighting ksi <laughs> wow there you go that's interesting uh, yeah uh tommy fury by round two knockout book it yeah um i think it I think it's a decent tough fight. I think KSI is like somewhat skilled at boxing. Uh, you know, he's not been overly impressive, but I think he's not bad at all. I mean, I think both Jake Paul are actually like somewhat decent boxers at this point. Um, I know it's kind of fun to just like hate on them because they're YouTubers and they're both annoying. I hate them as people, but you know, they're decent boxers. But Tommy Fury is also like an actual trained boxer. So yeah, I'd probably pick Tommy yeah. Fury in that one. It's, it's weird because like I've watched KSI since I was like 12. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, so man. young it, it's weird ksi's 30 now that blows my mind like he's 30 it's, it's weird to think about man <laughs> yeah i just hate watching all of our old youtubers when we were younger get old like yeah there's so many of them man like watching what happened to h3h3 god that has been really depressing i don't know if you ever Ethan watched Klein? h3 but yeah yeah he used to make some of the funniest videos on youtube he would you know do a lot of collabs with um like idubs filthy frank uh vsauce like he did so many vsauce. amazing videos yeah vsauce might be so many fun videos man it's yeah it's up there but i thought personally h3 was my favorite youtuber for years and years and then he just started doing podcasts he did a podcast with trisha paytas ever since then i was like i'm just not gonna watch this guy because i cannot stand trisha paytas nor can i <laughs> Um, like I don't know if you watched. Did you watch Minecraft YouTubers when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, Captain, Captain Sparkles, Sparkles, man. Like, what? bro, like he's thirty-one. I used to and... watch a. Oh yeah, I used to watch um. What are those videos that he did with uh Tom Syndicate and um The Hunger Games? Firefox, I think. Or yeah, it was like the Hunger Games, but they also did like the survival series. Um, uh-huh. like they would go on that island and they would all. They would start like with nothing on that one oh, island and yeah. then try to build. I know like, what you're talking about. What? Oh, what is that series Skyblock. called? Oh, it's so big. There, yeah. Oh man, there's 
I cannot remember the name of uh, their other. They had a huge, like a really big series at one point. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm looking this up now. I'm sorry, guys. But this know, is incredibly important. It really I, is. It, it, it really is, actually. Like, this is I our agree. childhood, okay? We're 22 and 21. Uh, Mayanite. There we go. Mayanite. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I used to watch... You know, I had really bad internet growing up, and so I would watch. You know, Minecraft is pixelated um, by default, but I would watch like an eat like an actually pixelated like 144p version of Captain Sparkle's videos, just because I loved Maya Knight that much, just for the story. I thought it was, it's just a fun time, man. I love watching it. Nine years ago, nine yeah. years ago, <laughs> it's wild, man. It's wild. You know, Captain Sparkles was my age when he was filming this stuff. Ah. Dude, it, it was so sad too because it was like a couple years later that uh Tom Syndicate got exposed for uh doing like CSGO scams with this guy T Martin, where they had this website that they set up and they would get people to gamble on skins on there and everything, and all the profits were just going to them, but they didn't disclose that at all. You know who actually exposed that was uh, H3. H3 was the guy who, there was like this small YouTuber who kind of figured it out, but H3 really broke the story. And man, how the mighty fall. But now Captain Sparkles, he's still doing his thing, you know? Yeah, he's, he's he seems like a good his... guy. Oh, I'd love to hang out with Captain Sparkles, man. Like he, he seems like he's, he's a, I think he might be wholesome. one of the most genuine dudes on YouTube. Like he has his car. He, like he's just like he's, just, he's yeah. like a big kid. He, he but, does. Seem oh, very he's thirty-one. Just that's oh, super weird. Gosh, that's so. It's like weird. um, if anybody grew up a fan of iCarly, which I was a huge fan of iCarly. Who does the love guy who played Spencer? The guy who played Spencer Shea is like legitimately, I think, almost forty years old at this point. I think he's almost fifty. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's older than Gotta 40, which is now. like sorry, really, guys. like this really weird stuff. to think about. This is this is the most pivotal uh, episode of Throne Hands ever. Jerry Trainer, he is 46 years old. <laughs> oh my. Oh, don't tell me that, man. Come on. Marina Cosby oh, was be 30 this year, I think. She's 30. Oh, that's ah! so <laughs> That's so weird. That is so, so weird. I can't handle that, man. I can't That's handle it either. Jeanette McCurdy's like 32. Like she, oh, she's 31 years old. Nathan Cress, 30. He has a kid and a wife. Guy who oh. played Neville's 28. And then Gibby, shout out Gibby, man, 27. That's... Oh Dude, I, let's stop talking. Stop, stop, let's stop talking about that. Yeah, we are we are getting off topic here, but no, it's not even that. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like. I, know, I don't like. I don't like to think about that stuff either. <laughs> um. Oh, there was Ryzen versus Bellator. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I completely forgot. Um, I was gonna watch that, but I think. Um, I think you made the right choice uh, not watching Bellator, man. Yeah, I think um, AJ McKee was supposed to be on that card, but his fight pulled. He had a bad staff infection, I think. So that was pretty unfortunate. Yeah, but, that was a grody. Like he had like a hole in his knee or something. Like it was pretty gross. 
Oh, you know, I was going down the rabbit hole of staph infections, and there's one that has always just made me so disgusted. And if anybody's ever looked up uh, Kevin Randleman when he got his staph infection, he had one under his arm, like right here. And I kid you not, it, it was a hole like this big under, like right on his lat muscle. That's filthy. so. If any, if anybody wants to see something like truly horrifying and disgusting, just look up uh, Kevin Randleman's staff. Or look up Mark Hunt. He had a very similar staph infection on his leg, and it was also like this big. So, all right. So look that up, or don't if you don't want to be grossed out. Don't look. Oh, I'd recommend you don't. All right. Um. All right. Let's look at um some of these Bellator results. Uh, Patricio Pitbull lost. Um. Hmm. Against uh, Chi Chihiro Suzuki. He barely even fought a month ago. Oh. Why did he take that? That's a dumb fight to take, especially after kind of thirty-five. Yeah, that's thinking? that's weird. Um, Juan Archuleta beat uh, Iromo- Iromasa Oogi Kubo. Oogi Kubo. Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I botched your name. Um, Korshkov <laughs> beat uh, Larkin. Um, Korshkov's been around forever. So it was uh, Lorenz Larkin, honestly. I love Lorenz Larkin. He's been around yeah. for a long time. Um, he absolutely got destroyed by Ben Askren. Um, yeah. But then again, he was that's 23. Actually a, yeah. That's actually a solid fight, man. Korshkov and Larkin. Like, this card actually had really good fights on it with no hype whatsoever. I didn't... Magomed Magomedov sub Danny Sabatello. <laughs> Danny which is Sabatello. not like... Not super surprising, I guess, but Sabatello's not bad. I mean, he's he's a pretty decent fighter. You want you want to hear something crazy, guys? Sabatello was on throwing hands. Go find that interview. Go find that interview, guys. Yeah. Um. Nice. We have we have a former world title oh, uh, challenger on the po- we have, yeah. Little do we know a guy be knows to us a guy who uh who won on one of the judges' scorecards in that world title fight, although he did <laughs> not win at all. He definitely he did not have gotten win. around. Maybe, maybe generously, yes. Yeah, Ben Askren. Yeah, he absolutely destroyed Korshkov. I remember he went he he when he had him uh, a back mount. He like shook his hands up there, went USA, and then everybody started chanting that. Shout out Ben Askren, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kana Watanabe beat uh, Veda Arteaga. Kyoji Horiguchi beat Makoto Takahashi, and then Patricky Pete Bull beat uh. Roberto uh Satoshi de Souza. Um Wait, so uh Patricio, he got knocked out, like fully yeah. knocked out one punch. Uh, yeah. KO oh, punch yeah, one punch KO, it looks like. This and this was at a uh catch weight of 154. After yeah, after cutting down to 135 not long ago to come all the way back up to 154 seems like a really weird decision, but I mean. Yeah, like look look at the names on this card, man. You got the Pitbull brothers, you got Kyoji Horaguchi, Magomed Magomedov, Korshkov, Juan Archuleta. I mean, this is a really stacked card, and there was basically no promotion of it. Like they did not promote this card whatsoever. And it was on at like midnight. It started, it went into like 3 a.m. or something, because it was over in Japan, which I get, but I mean, come on, Bellator, come on, Ryzen. If you want to really compete with the UFC, you got to do better than this. Yeah, you got to find a way to show the product to the people. Or, like, put it on a Sunday or, like, a Thursday yeah. or something where people can watch it. Don't – weird. got to do That's something. That's why Stock Coker's never going to beat Dana White. 
Scott Coker got very lucky with Strike Force. It was not because he is some ultra talented promoter. He got very lucky with Strike Force. He had some amazing fighters on there too. That's the thing. Yeah, it was a great promotion, but I don't think it was because of Coker. <laughs> no. All right, Toby, we've been recording for an hour. I think it's time we wrap it up. But do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, but, man, time flew by. Uh, this was just a really fun card. A lot of things we had to catch up on. Um, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, great time, great time. So when we come back, we'll, we're going to be previewing uh, Fight Night, Sanhagen versus Font. Great card. That's, that's a card you don't want to miss, guys. Uh, we're spoiled through September. Um, we're getting toward the, the very latter part of this, these 17 straight weeks of cards or whatever, whatever it is, we're spoiled guys. So we'll see you next time.